0: bonus points if I can tell me this mashup
1: I can't but I can explain how we lost that game not possible check it out now I work to to make the- all
0: right folks we're back with another edition of the red and my podcast and buckle up this one's going to be interesting um Evan your host and I'm here with will as always have Hello. a cold beer what are you drinking will
1: uh, I am drinking a Woodford Reserve Masters collection that uh, tastes as sour in my mouth as that last game did. And the game Ooh. before that, boom, he pulled it back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is... Uh, I don't want to dwell too much on that game. I feel like this with basketball, the, it's so fast. There's so many games in the week that it's just not interesting to talk about it you know, that much. But... You know, we are going to talk about it. I think this game, in my opinion, is won by the team who wants it more. I don't really think it matters who, you know, the, the cliches throw out the record books. And I think that applies here. But the difference is no matter who our coach is or what situation we've got going on, Roy Williams wants this game more. He wants to beat the piss out of state every time they take, up, take step on the floor. And I think that's clear, you know, after these games, or, you know, they come at this game, they're not good. They're having one of their worst seasons in a long time. And, you know, they just come out playing with their hair on fire. And Roy Williams is into the game every minute. And his teams reflect that. And that bugs the hell out of me. You?
1: Yeah. I mean,. You know, there was the first like minute or two when we were up seven, nothing. And I was like, oh, here we go. We're going to put up like 20 yeah. points before they can score. I thought, you know, finally, we're going to see this team. I thought we came out with energy and then it was kind of like the second they started scoring. It was like "Uh, like we tightened up, you know, we had that sequence where we um, yeah. like, you know, that Roy Williams is going to do a half court trap. Like, he always does it. And when we got befuddled by that two plays in a row, I was like, this game is over. Uh, We're going to get outcoached. And, you know, there's that quote from Roy Williams about wanting to, like, shoot somebody with a BB gun in regards to NC State. Like, he hates NC State. (laughs) He's always hated NC State. And I don't know if, like, Kevin Keats doesn't, like, get that. Or maybe Kevin Keats is, like, cool as a cucumber and, like, doesn't want to, like, prioritize this game. But it, it just felt like they completely – I don't know, man. It just felt like they mailed it in Ever on, like, 10 yeah, players.
0: I think that's – we've seen it with other coaches before where they treat this or they say the whole, you know, this is like any other game. And I think even Dave Dorn said it in one of his first years. You know, it's it's another game. And then he realized how salty it was. Right, and that's yeah. why when we get salty Dave during the UNC week, and it's salty Dave's the best Dave. But Keats hasn't learned that yet. Like Sydney knew that, right? Sydney Lowe knew that. He wore the red jacket every time. This game, you know, he's a former player. This game meant a lot to him. Yeah, and he got it. And his teams, they all stunk, but they all played for. They played hard for this game, and you know, I think it's it's weird that you have to tell somebody this, but you know, if you're, if you have not been a part of it, then you don't really know, I guess.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I mean, that's the thing is Roy being an assistant coach at UNC and you know, he seems to have like, he like seems to have like taken it personal, what we used to do yeah. to them. Right. Right. During that tenure. And you know, like I respect the fact that I here's the thing, man. Just like Dabo Swinney, uh, Roy Williams like can yuck it up, like he's a nice guy, but he's a stone cold killer. And so yes. is, so is Dabo, and like that's what I want out of a coach, and I like respect that element of it. Like when I see people say that he can't coach or whatever, like I'm just like, are you out of your mind? Like Roy Williams knows how to coach. He may not know how to take timeouts, but <laughs> that dude is a freaking winner. And it's not just because he has like amazing talent, like. I mean, his talent is usually. I I wouldn't say UNC has like the best players in the nation, like year in and year out. They usually have the guys that are good enough to be really, really good in basketball in college, but they don't go pro early. And we can talk about that. But I think he's yeah, a good coach.
0: Yeah, that's weird. He's got an he's got a good system too. I mean, the kids want to play because they play fast and it's a, the brand name and all that. And yeah, I think it's weird that he's able to keep guys for so long, where. You know, our history is if you're at all good, you're gone as soon as possible. And I'm not talking about Dennis Smith Jr. good where it's a no brainer, but like Josh Powell and said Simmons and guys that are good, but shouldn't have gone. And if they were seniors, it would have been completely different. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing.
1: You know, it's funny, like thinking about it, like would any of the really good, you know, it's like if we had David Thompson now, right. I mean, David Thompson wouldn't be here more than a year or two. Yeah. You, you know, probably. like, it's changed a little bit. And I think the thing that UNC... UNC's advantage is that they win. So it's fun to stick around. It's fun to win. Um, and, sure. and maybe they just... Maybe that plus, like, like pick the kind of guys that just don't seem to be one and dunners for the most part. Um, you know, and, like... You can go to UNC and you can be like the king on campus because they don't have. I mean, you know, they celebrate six and six football like you're a BCS champion there. Um, (laughs) Like they're a basketball school. They don't they don't know football. Yeah.
0: So Cam asked this. and I thought it was interesting. Hate to ask, but do you think the staff and the players understood the importance of this game? This was a must win for a variety of reasons. So disappointed with what it looked like. A lack of focus, discipline, toughness. You know, and I agree. I mean, so it it makes you feel better that we're not the only ones that see it. But I don't know if they emphasize this game, right? I mean, we don't know what happens in the locker room, behind the scenes, all that stuff. But it really... It really felt feels like they they didn't have the focus for this game, and there were some weird quotes that came out afterwards. Uh, DJ funderberg said something to the
1: I can find something there. to the degree that what did you say? I said I can find that quote. I know which one you're talking about.
0: Yeah, he yeah. So you find that he said something, and I was like, huh? You know, he's you know talking about playing in the NIT, and then somebody else said they didn't look at the scouting report and i don't know if that's normal or i just i don't know man the whole thing felt weird
1: yeah i mean the scouting report thing is it's when you have those short turnarounds like they right just like as a program like they don't have that much time to actually do the scouting so Mm -hmm. they'll they'll come up with the game plan like a day beforehand um when you have those really short turnarounds now what you would hope is that you do a lot of homework in the off season and during the season, during the lulls so that you're, when you put the book together for North Carolina, it does not take a lot of time and everyone understands it. Um, right. And like, that's why after the game I had tweeted that, you know, like it's just like with football. I think you need to invest in the staff that's behind the scenes. Like, I mean, I remember Mark Gottfried's like first year or two, he had a guy named, uh, Nima, uh, something with an O <laughs> and that dude was like a yeah. video guy and he was like very yeah. critical and like it was mentioned like after he had left that like that guy was really good at what he did and he helped put these game plans together um, yeah DJ Funderburg said we weren't focused we weren't locked in we didn't really show too much effort out there to be honest with you I think that was the biggest thing for us effort and then I know there was another quote that he said that was basically like you know we better toughen up for the next half like cuz we obviously weren't tough enough in the first uh for the
0: season. And that's yeah, that's the thing, man, like you play this you play these first 10 games against the bottom half of the competition. It's about to get real right now. Yeah. And you know, I, I wrote down in my notes that it feels like Keith's got out-coached in this game. You know, and I'm not sure like, it's so weird, especially with basketball. Like, you hit some shots and you and you still win this game, right? This game was never out of reach. Mm-hmm. But they're shooting 28% from three in conference play this year. And that's shooting 215 threes, making 65. That is not good. And there's quite a few games where they're below 20%. Yeah. I mean... I mean... Okay. Do you... Code- Let me ask you this. Do you coach him to shoot fewer threes or do you stick with your guns? and like, hey, this is my, This is how I want to play. The shots will fall.
1: I would say this. Um, Braxton Beverly needs to uh, buck the fuck up and start shooting three pointers. Um, I'm really tired of watching your guy who's a perimeter shooter just keep throwing the ball away. Um, He keeps passing it up. He passed up a couple like open ones and he was two of three in this game um
0: but he passed one to dj (laughs) thunderberg
1: i texted you i think when that happened and i was like of course like let's talk about the dumbest percentage play in the game that's probably it right there um and he was wide open that was what was really frustrating um i i think it is all about making you know you can shoot the three but be smart about it right uh, Markel is really good at the catch and shoot threes, right? So don't be trying to dribble, drive, pop and back and and you know backstep all that stuff. Like inside the rhythm of the office, catch catch and shoot a three. Like that's your percentages are better as a player. Like you're a senior, you should know where your high percentage shots are, and not like your ego ball shots. Same thing with Beverly. Beverly should be shooting those threes. You know, I don't mind. You know, here's the thing. Like this game, it comes down to CJ Bryce. He's over 11 oh. like he if he goes and hits 40 percent of his shots, the game is either tied or we win. It's a completely different game. And you know, I mean, he missed a two foot uh, uh, floater, you know, and at that point I was just like, uh, I don't know what's going on with CJ Bryce, but I can't watch this. Like I could see from my angle before as he was releasing releasing the ball, I was like, oh, that's going to be left. Oh, God. And then it was over. So, yeah i mean like but that's on the coaches too like you should be able in this day and age with data and analytics to sit down with your team and be like you you get you in the elbow you're 50 percent from there shoot from the elbow you know like just get your
0: team to be smarter um yeah they don't play smart at all i i think that's you know, everybody's pointed out and they, you know, call it hero ball. I, and I've said it quite a few times. It's just, I feel like if they make, there's so many times where if they make one extra pass or one less pass, in the case of Braxton Beverly, that things would turn out so much different. But, you know, Keats joked about it before, but Thunderbird's not making that extra pass, even though he gets doubled down, kick, he doesn't want to kick it out. Yeah. And Evan Daniels, he's going to go hard to the rack, regardless of if. You know, Beverly's on the wing, wide open or not. He's it's just how they are, and I don't I don't know if he's if Keats is okay with that or if he's trying to coach them to not do that. I'm just not sure what to expect there. But from an untrained eye, man, it doesn't look right. Yeah, you know,
1: I I yeah, it's weird. I would say this. It's like I don't want to say they're dumb all the time. They're dumb in the mm-hmm. worst moments, is what I'm trying to say. Right. It's like, and, and that that seems to be something that's been consistent with this team, at least this year, is that when they have been either tied or coming close, you know, within two to three points of making their run to take the lead, it's like they seize up and either like sh- it's like they short circuit and they do that. They make the worst decisions at that point, and that's where I think leadership as a coach is important leadership as a point guard is extremely important. And that's where I think Markell is just really suffering this year. Cause he's been, maybe I am unfairly attributing it to him, but there are plenty of times in those clutch runs where he just throws up a shot or decides to get to the, try to go to the rim. And then it seems like half the time he makes that drive and he stops in the middle of it and decides to try to pass out, but he doesn't actually know where everyone is. And that's where that jump pass comes in, right? And then that leads yeah, to that their fans awful. to being like, this team is dumb. Like they don't have good basketball IQ because they do everything you need to to get up to the point to that a good IQ team would then go and, and close the door. And some might disagree with it, but it's just, this is just a team right now that well, I'll let you talk for a minute cuz I I'm, I'm going on a long run here, but I do want to talk about no, the injuries and yeah. how that's really I think that's been a huge impact to the season as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It's there's there's no leadership on the floor. I I, I also said this after the game that there's there was no leadership on the floor or on the bench, and I, I really felt like that. I felt I don't know if I don't know, man. I I don't know there's somebody not there not like taking control and saying hey don't be a dumbass or hey do this right this is you know stick with what you're good what you're good at and you know to that regard you know cj bryce you know people are gonna blame the concussion but he came back f- during the virginia game and, and played okay i mean he it's just these last two games he's just gone. Just gone. I don't know where he was. He had 13 against Virginia, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, I was going back to his recent game log. 13 and 11 at Clemson the game before that.
0: There's something that is not right with this team, and I, don't, I just I don't know what it is. and is. I'm not... I don't think anybody should be questioning or anybody should be saying, hey, we need to fire Keys." I think oh, that's, that's going overboard, and that's But I think it's fair to question what you're getting out of these guys right now. He doesn't have his guys. We talked about the roster management, how that's been a big issue in previous episodes. So I I think, you know, next year is really important. The year after is really important. You know, what does he do with five guys that can play or five guys that he's recruited for a couple of years and that want to play for him, that want to play in his system and that are – High quality ball players. Yeah, I think that that's going to be the the telltale sign. But right now, it feels like a hot mess.
1: Well, here's what I would say. Um, DJ Funderburk has been really good for at least the last month, right? And right. he's one of the few guys that hasn't been injured or dealt with, dealt with anything other than his little off season mm-hmm. parking issue. Um, you know, Helms before he gets injured looked lights out um gets injured kind of takes him out out of it and it's probably gonna take him some time still to get kind of going but i think this is the thing it's like everyone needs to look back on the losses and the season as a whole and kind of say if if you once sasha kaleo jones leaves once blake harris leaves you should as a fan at that point say okay our success as a team depends on being healthy and and gelling and throughout yeah. the season, key players were constantly getting injured. Okay. Right. Like you don't have Markel and DJ in the first game against Georgia tech. You lose that game. You write off why you lost it. Helms goes down against wake forest. And then the following games, we look rough. Then you have CJ Bryce, who I think everyone would admit before the injury was probably our glue guy for like the year. He was every, he made everything go. Right. right? And then, he looked okay. I mean, he got 11 and 13 against um, Clemson and UVA, but now he's having like a crazy funk, right? And then you've got um, Andrew, right? He's got his ankle injury, so you know we haven't been full strength for the last few games. We've been, we've barely been full strength in any conference game. So it's not surprising to me that we are erratic in our play. That's fair. Right? Um, Yeah. And so I think what I would say is like, you know, I say this every time, like, let's see how the full season plays out. If the second half of the season, we're healthy the whole way through and we look dysfunctional, then yeah, you got to start asking questions. But if we start playing really good basketball at that point, like, you know, you get two shots. I think you get two shots at Duke. You get Louisville. You get Florida State, you get Syracuse on the road, and those are all Q1 games. And you know what? Like, if you win one of those, I'm happy. And if you get like two of them, don't you think like this week disappears? You also get another
0: shot at UNC. Yeah. And that's the thing with basketball and, you know, doing podcasts during basketball season is they're, they're damn Jekyll and Hyde. You know, they could play great, they could have a nice win, you know, go on the road to UVA and then. Come home and stink it up to Carolina, or I even forgot who they played before that, but Georgia Tech, right? I mean, it's all's not lost. There's a lot of basketball left, and like you, I think you're right. I think you get some guys back, and you didn't even mention Manny Bates. Oh my gosh, you know, you yeah, get,
1: Manny Bates. That's right.
0: Yeah, you know, the guys have got to hit shots. If if we get if we get some more consistency out of the shooters, I think. You know, we'll be in a better spot. Right now, we're in the middle of the road. And I get people's frustrations because it feels like the league's down again and the same thing with football the last couple of years and where you have a bunch of juniors and seniors and you're not taking advantage of it. you know, It feels like another opportunity wasted. And I think that kind of leads into what we're going to talk about. Uh, but state fans are just pent up about it all
1: before we go go into that topic i mean we're saying that like the league is down right but i mean louisville duke and Florida state are playing good basketball right so it's i think it's not that the league is down it's just that it's reshuffled at the top and then you've got virginia syracuse at six and four like i mean i think it's this is a year where maybe the middle of the pack is broader but you still got good teams at the top and like I still would take a lot of ACC teams against other teams like in the tournament and things like that. So like, I don't think this is a year where it's like a one or two league, I guess. Um, I think it just has a different composition and a year when UNC is clearly down because of injuries and lots of other issues. I think, you know, like it or not, they're a face of the league and the national audience or the national media is going to paint the ACC poorly if a team like UNC does bad.
0: Well, I mean that's part of it, but part of it is the ACC playing non-ACC schools. At the record's abysmal, uh, I think if you look it up, you'll see that we haven't we hadn't beat anybody. It's been a look, bad. I'm here year to stand for, for this league. All right, don't don't try. Yeah, I appreciate. Yeah, you beat your drum, but we lost the Big Ten challenge eight to two. When it becomes Selection I mean,
1: Sunday, you are going to hear me out there. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to hit you in the nuts like Brad Davison, but I'm going to come close.
0: (laughs) What what a bum
1: that guy is. What a dirtball. He's exactly who we thought he was.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. Thanks, Lovey.
1: (laughs) No, that was Denny Green. Denny Green.
0: Denny Green. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, the bigger thing that I want to talk about, and in this God knows how long this is going to take us, um, is the local media flare up and i'm going to do my best to kind of summarize what happened and i want to get into a bit why why things are as contentious as they are right i mean we put these questions out and to folks and like hey i want your input on this and the response was overwhelming there is so much information i have t- i have 12 page pages of notes and i haven't even gotten got it all so it's going to take multiple pieces here to kind of break this down, uh, but I want to talk about it because I think it's important. And I got somebody made a comment and was like, "Well, why are we, why are we looking in the past?" And I'm like, you learn from history, right? I think history is an important part of who you are. We're not dwelling on it; we're talking about it. I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah. So, rewinding what ha- what had happened, this has been over the last couple weeks. Uh, local ABC News. Uh, journalist uh, Bridget Condon, I think, is I'm pronouncing her name properly. Uh, this is a couple of weeks ago, January 22nd. She tweeted out, I'm not a fan of any triangle team, but I feel so sad for the players on this UNC team. They've been going through it. And the response for that is exactly how you imagined. Yeah, it didn't go over well. And it wasn't just with state fans. There was Wake fans, Duke fans. Plenty of replies to that particular tweet. And most were nothing more than, hey, this is is really bad take or are you serious? Uh, Mark Armstrong also tweeted something and (laughs) didn't get as much of a backlash. He got a little bit, but he said, what more heartache can be visited upon this UNC team? Good heavens, have mercy, basketball gods. Now, for anybody who knows Mark, he obviously was joking there because that's what he does, right? And it wasn't – he was – it's so I don't know how to explain that one, but it's everybody if you interact with him, you know that like he's being silly, and that's how he approaches Twitter, and he was having a good time with yeah. it. and I think he was playing off of Bridge's tweet, and the two together were very uh inflammatory, so to speak. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, but I mean, I think it's like it's inflammatory, but I think if you get inflamed by it to a point that you are like angry and responding back, like you need to ask yourself like.
0: Oh, we're, let's, or we're, I'm not getting into oh, okay, that yet. I okay. want to keep, going but
1: then ahead. yeah, I don't know. I thought we were going to talk about my really funny tweet back. then. So um, yeah, I, I think that is a fair that is a fair summary of the previous situation where it it seemed like Bridget's, it, you know, Bridget's tweet is well meaning. Like she can be sad for them because you know they're going through a a crappy period, right? I think. Knowing your local audience would suggest that um, they're not sad for them, and when you're a national yeah, so, championship well, let me keep going. Yeah. Let me
0: keep going. Let me keep going before you get into oh, it. okay. Uh, yeah, you're jumping ahead of I me. Here. Mark has, he Mark Mark is known around these parts, right? He's a known entity. He's Canadian. He's a Utah fan. He engages with everybody. And his tweet a, a day after that, he said, "I naively work the, excuse me, I na- naively work with the assumption that people know that I'm here just having stupid fun most of the time and reminded that assumption is not true on occasion. And he was also referencing that whole situation because he was definitely joking. He was just poking the bear because of what Bridget stirred up. So then less than eight minutes after UNC beat state, she Bridget tweets this bit of sarcasm that I screenshotted and tweeted and just put out there and just said, Hey, some people don't know how to do the internet. I wasn't mean about it. I guess it may have been a little condescending. I'm not sure. It's kind uh, of Bad timing, bad take. Yeah. I mean, it is. What reaction do you think you were going to get when she puts out state fans and their feelings more than normal tonight? My heart goes through it. Y'all been going through it. Happy? <laughs> like, and so like, obviously that you're going to get the reaction. That, you know, people aren't happy. They're salty as hell. They just lost to UNC. And you have to understand what that game means to state fans. We talked about how important it is to Roy. That's how important it is to most fans. Mm -hmm. It's it's an extremely bitter rivalry, even if it is one-sided. Like, it's been a lopsided. They've been beating our ass for the last, I don't know how many years. It's been like 30 years. Let's call it what it is. (laughs) Yeah, so Bridget deleted that tweet, and she got a very bad reaction for it. But that night, she slides into my D- my DMs asking me why so much hate. And the next morning, we had a conversation. I'm not going to read the conversation verbatim. I don't want to put anybody on blast. But she has said some things that are definitely talking points. And one of the things was, my biggest issue with your fan base attacks people on Twitter for what? I made a joke. Now... Bad timing, bad take. I don't think anybody should take it so seriously. I'm not t- I'm talking about the fans that they say nasty things, but I also think ninety nine percent of our fan base is really good people, yeah, I mean, I think we have you know I engage with a lot of fans throughout the year on and offline, and I think they're 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 really good people, man, and i they want to be. Like they want to be loved. It's like how I keep saying it. Like, you know, we want to win, but you know we we are we have this backs against the wall mentality, right? Um, I so I told I told Bridget I said, you know, your joke was a poor follow up to a tweet earlier in the week, and I think most responses weren't attacks; they were more frustrations. I read I did read a lot of them, and. You know, it seemed like a troll attempt or a bit sarcastic at a really bad time. And I mean, I, that's the reaction you're going to get from pretty much any fan base, if that were the case. Now, our fan base is passionate, like any others. There's a small portion of crazy people, you know, but if you're going to, you know, dish out the jokes or the, tr- you know, the troll attempts, you're going to incite them and that's what you're going to get. I don't think it's, um, you know, abnormal. And we talked about it. And she and I were going back and forth, and we had a uh, you know reasonable conversation. She's agreed to come on the podcast and talk about it, which I think is going to be super interesting. But really, it clicked for me when she said, "You know, I've been in the been in the area for three years, and I understand the fans." Mm. And like that, when when she said that, I'm thinking that's not possible. Like. Okay, you've been here for three years. Unless you've been intentionally following state, then you don't – I don't think you get our fans, right? And that, that's not a knock on anybody. I don't expect anybody to. And it's the same thing with the national media looking in, right? They they look at us and think, hey, a mediocre school, whatever, right? They don't understand the history of it and they don't understand the um, – Stuff that we've gone through. <laughs> so, you know, I asked the Twitter people about this. You know, what have, what has State gone through, right? We're talking about going through it, having a rough time. And um, fair warning, this is going to hurt a lot of people here. This is, <laughs> is going to bring about some memories that people are probably not going to want to deal with. Um, and I'm just going to rattle through this list. Valvano being forced out. Losing to a horrible Maryland team in football and missing the ACC championship game. Losing the ACC championship to UNC on a mischarge call. Missing a field goal to beat Clemson in football. I think that was 2016 maybe, whenever they won their first title, right? Before this run, straight when this run started. Brian Underwood's punt return for a touchdown being called out of bounds when every piece of evidence clearly shows he was in bounds. <laughs> TA was in, right? I, those three words all I mean that was ten years ago. Still so get uttered. Don't kick it to Geo. Geo Bernard. The punt return as time expires for Carolina to beat us in Carter Finley. Eighteen inning baseball game. ACC tournament baseball game against Carolina, and then sub- subsequent losing to Carolina in the College World Series on um, a year. This is one. This one probably gets me the most. The year Omaha decides to test extending the fence by. Two feet, Trey Turner hits a home. What hits a what well, would be home run any other year except for that year, right? It gets caught at the warning track or on the fence. Like, come on now. TJ Warren goes off for forty against Carolina, and then so does Marcus Page, and Carolina wins. Mecca Mezzi's quote: "Fumble at Wake." The one game there's no goal on camera, which in th- theoretically keeps us out of ten wins in a New Year six game. Uh, somebody else brought up the hatchet job that the local news did on Shad and the moped, and I'm going to read the read the tweet that I got sent. Throw in the ABC 11 in house interview of a kid wearing a band aid after being tapped by a moped, or the WRL investigation into the student athlete dorm. They seem to go out of their way to cast state in a bad light, and definitely run interference for UNC. But all of those things over the years—I mean, that's just a fraction of the Things that people come when they say NC state shit right I don't I don't want to perpetuate that I don't want to ever talk about it because I think it's nonsense but you want to talk about a fan base that's going through it you need to understand what state fans have dealt with for the last thirty years now thirty plus years and then you put a nice note in here today I'll let you jump in with that one
1: oh, I got a lot to say because. <laughs> You've been blasting through this and I've got a couple Sorry. of comments and corrections, um, <laughs> especially about that Maryland go football ahead. team, but let's go. <laughs> oh God, that, that Maryland football team. I'll just say it now. was nine and four that year. They were not a bad team. It is how we lost that game, which is infuriating. And the fact that in classic state fashion, we mounted a massive comeback at the end of the game only to be denied on fourth down after an incredibly questionable spot. I don't know if anyone remembers it, but at the time it was like Oof. the Wilson. It was like the classic Wilson. I'm coming back. I'm showing you why I'm amazing. And I'm going to break your hearts in a few years when I transfer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Russell Wilson transferring. I didn't even put that uh, on oh the God. list. I, right. I, I, and
1: everybody. Go, I
0: shouldn't. Have. I'm sorry. Bat- I'm sorry.
1: Everyone's going to cry now. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Read whatever great tweet I made.
0: <laughs> oh, I mean, there was a couple in there, but you the comment you put in there is. And in case I forgot the Carolina way being shoved down our throats for years while we were at school, actually gave a shit about the athletes education. Yeah. a Concern of the NCAA wrong.
1: Yeah. So, all right. So Evan got to give his diatribe. Now I'm going to come back from the top and give mine quickly. I'm going to be more concise than usual. Um, I actually thought Bridget's tweet was funny. It was just terribly timed. And I think if she had waited a day, I would have been like, kudos. Uh, At the time, I was just like, oh, come on. This is not going to end well. Um, And it's not going to end well for any, like we said, it's not going to end well for any fan base because if it had been Duke and they had lost to UNC or UNC would have lost to Duke or whomever, um, no one wants to get jabbed. And they don't want to get jabbed out of context. You know, if we're going to take – and I think her tweet about UNC was genuine in
0: the first part, right? Yes.
1: And so I I think one of the things – But we'll just – Sorry,
0: I'm going to interrupt you. It was genuine, but who has sympathy for a team that has won – like how many national titles is this decade, right? And, right? Or and this that's decade?
1: why a lot of fans like, like kind of were like a mute, like, yeah, boohoo them. Like they're having a bad year. Like we've been suffering for years, you know, and, you know, a Duke fan. I don't care what they have to say, but I get it from wake fans. Right. Like, uh, you know, like I, I grew up in Winston-Salem during the um, Duncan and Childress like years. Like it was really fun to watch that team. And then even, you know, ignoring cp3s nut shots like those teams have had very minor blips right compared to the sustained success to others and if you think about it like i, I mean if you understand the, the this area in general right the state unc wake duke and probably in basically in that order were critical to what tobacco road is and you know why basketball is so important here right so any of those schools has a right to be super passionate, especially about basketball. But what I was going to say is that her original tweet is fair to say that, yeah, like it's tough, like having injuries and whatnot. I think state fans would kind of counter that back with saying like, yeah, look at our season. We've been going through every other player getting injured throughout the year, right? It's, we haven't even got to experience a full roster and this was supposed to be a special year with uh, the amount of experience on our team. I think we have what we have, we have, what, four or five junior slash seniors on the team right now? Like, this this should be a better team if it was healthy. Um, so I, I think just my, like, comment would just be, like, it was just really poorly timed. And then to your point, like, I've been a fan. I, <laughs> I've been a, bit a fan for NC State since 2003 or 2004, actually, technically, I guess when I showed up here. Um, and it wasn't until I even left school, which was six years because I took, took my damn time with my engineering stuff that I even realized how passionate I was about sports. And then it wasn't until the last four or five that I realized I was, you know, just on a completely different level with how much I care about the minutia of like recruiting and team management and like athletic departments. and. So you can't it, it that unless you are like actually doing investigative reporting or like really seeking out NC State fans or vice versa, UNC fans, Duke fans, whatever. You cannot get like a general pulse for a fan base in a couple years. years um, unless you're really trying. No, yeah. So she may. I totally believe her if she thought she understood who state fans were and thought that that tweet might go over better than it did. And then was probably very surprised at the level of frustration and vitriol from some that came out from it. But I think most state fans were just like, just probably rolled their eyes and just said, "Uh, here's another media member who's just like hitting us when we're down. It, it, uh, you know, I think someone had, That's. I think Brian, I think that's exactly right. Yeah. I think Brian had like tweeted something about, you know, like, it seems like lately it's easy to, um, yeah. Like on uh local sports personalities. he said that Chappelle uh, has said something profound about comedians historically punching up at the establishment. And they feels that the generation of TV slash radio right now likes to punch down instead that it's easier and requires less work. And I think, Like it's, I don't know, maybe it's like the stand-up comedian in me because I've done that before. So I like read her one tweet and I'm like, it's just a joke. Like, so it doesn't bother me because I like, I get it. Sometimes you say a joke and it really doesn't land. But it's like you got to know your audience that you're telling that joke to.
0: Right. And so after my conversation with Bridget, she she said she was going to listen to this podcast. So if she is listening, I want to use this as an opportunity um, to help her understand our fan base, right, and understand why we are as us against the world as we are and why most state fans don't like the media, right? And I think there's a – you know, part of what you said is, hey, you know, Caroline's had a bunch of injuries. We've had a bunch of injuries. We just went through a football season where we had a whole ton of injuries and nobody talked about it, right? All they said was, hey, it's a terrible year. Like, oh, Mac is back, right? Just – completely pooped on us that whole time. And I, you know, those are the sorts of things that build up the issues. Right. And they build up like, all right, whatever. They're not going to talk about us. You know, they're not going to give us a fair shake or fair coverage when, you know, Dave Dorn loses half of his roster. Right. We're playing converted wide receivers at cornerback and vice versa. You know, so they want, they, as in state fans want equal coverage. Now I'm going to start with a uh, something from Ed from LA. Um, he's called in a few times and he wrote me a nice nine-page thesis. When I sent him a tweet and said, "Hey, what do you think about this?" I pulled some quotes out. I think we're. I wanted to say, he Ed, said,
1: "I tried to read your email during a break at work today with a customer. I had five minutes, and I got about seventy percent of the way through. And I was like, I'm sure Ed has incredible points to make, but I was amazed, and I am." Thank you for that voicemail you left us during the season and thank you for the email. Yeah, You you filled up the time today. I
0: appreciated it. Uh, he said, State fans have a great appreciation for the glory years in football when teams competed for ACC championships, 60s and 70s, and when basketball teams competed for national championships in the 70s and 80s. Many fans remember those eras of fondness and worship the dominant teams from that period. State fans desperately want to be nationally prominent, but aren't. State fans desperately want the games to be on national TV but often feel humiliated when their teams get embarrassed by the on the big stage and heckled by fans from the opposing team supporters and local media. I think I mean that's exactly right. That's a, that's a pretty good summation. So I want to get into how our fans think the media treats them. And I know if you're not part of our fan base and for some reason you're listening to this you're probably thinking well every you know, everybody feels the same about their media, but I don't think that's the case with other markets. Mm-hmm. I don't think Carolina fans feel like they're slighted because they cover NC say too much, right? I don't think it's equal. And I'm gonna, I don't even know how to dupe like put this all together. There's so much information, so I'm gonna read some of these, I'm gonna read one of these things and we'll talk about it and see how it goes. Um, but. Uh Davey e. Wolf pointed out, and he had a, another long, uh, another piece that was really well thought out. And I'm going to save some of it for next week. I want to talk to Bridget about some of it as well. But one thing he said was, the media in particular, the NNO, has a horrible track record when it comes to NC State and how NC State is treated by them. This goes back years and years. The perception, rightfully so, has been for years that UNC gets favorable treatment by media and negative things are brushed under the rug. If State does anything wrong, it gets overplayed by the media. Norm Sloan dealt with the bias for years, and he complained about it. Of course, many of us remember the NNO and how they treated NC State during the Valvano scandal. Claude Sitton led the charge to personally destroy NC State's basketball program, and they succeeded to do so. When a member of the media, no matter how minor, tweets something at NC State fans following a loss to their most hated rival, they should expect to receive some backlash. So I thought that was a – I thought that was a very succinct way of saying, It you know, this is it. This is – if everybody is saying this, then it, there's got to be some bit of truth to it, right? I'm not just pulling random quotes from disgruntled fans, right? This is a huge portion of our fan base that has responded to us about this, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, like I was kind of saying earlier, it, it literally – it wasn't until after I graduated that I even yeah. went back and learned about the history of NC State and understood why so many fans kept bringing up Valvano over and over and over again. Because it, you know, for me, during the 2003-2009 period, like, it was not talked about very often on campus. You know, like, you... you right. I mean, and part of that, I think, is... You know, NC State and another we can talk about another podcast like I think it's done a terrible job of promoting Valvano. But like to come back to this, I think for NC State in general, for fans in general, they feel that what happened during that Valvano era and what happened afterwards was NC State saying. We are going to respect. The amateur status and we are going to promote being fair and responsible with our athletes and we're going to do the right thing. That's what we convinced ourselves during that era. And then conversely, when UNC was faced with a similar, well, a worse situation by all accounts than what actually happened during our thing. I think a lot of fans At NC State wanted to see another school do what state did, accept their punishment, and you know, grow from it. And instead, they were look, I'll say this: the media went after them. There were plenty of articles. I thought the coverage was fine. I don't think like that they got off easy from the media. They got easy off easy from the NCAA. And when NC State fans then recognized the fact that the most critical time in our program, we nuked ourselves. And during that period, UNC and Duke took off in basketball and were able to capitalize on that. I mean, the UNC brand comes from that run during that era, okay? So, UNC, so NC State fans are cynical and bitter that we did the right thing and lost an opportunity to keep promoting what we were great at, And then they're extremely frustrated then when a team down the road has been shoving it down our throats almost mockingly all these years about the Carolina way and all these fans were like, it doesn't make sense. How is this Carolina way working with these athletes? It gets exposed that they have this massive academic fraud and then they don't face a penalty for it in the end. I think that kind of right. explains where state fans are. They're just like, why did we sacrifice ourselves to try to be a better program? And then over the years have basically like the reason we fail so often is because we have been climbing out of that stupid hole for so long. Right. right? Like that's why we're 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 always on the verge. And then when we fail, we so cup couple- for it.
0: You said a couple of things there that are super interesting. Um, there are people who will argue that the media wouldn't have run with any of this Carolina stuff had it not been for Pack Pride's bench <laughs> boards, right? And I'm serious; like uh, it's it was referenced so many times during this, from Marvin Austin to. You know the whole the whole thing the academic scandal the paying players the wheels for heels you know like all this okay. stuff yeah wheels <laughs> and for heels I forgot about that the message boards were like pushing this right and and the they were pushing this narrative because nobody else would talk about it and everybody hates state fans or state fans nation but they were pushing it too because nobody else was talking about it and I think it comes back to this yeah um what and the other thing so. <laughs> Uh, wait, hold on, hold on. We, we
1: can't forget during that era, we had Joe Giglio quoting. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I can't remember if it was Sam I Am. What was he quoting? What did he basically yell at Butch Davis in that interview? Like, no, no oh, he, he yelled some kind of Sam I Am quote at him um, when he was trying to get him to admit that they had basically been cheating all this time. So I want to say Joe Giglio, he went for it. Okay, um, that's why he was so important to the NC State fan base, and why Steve Wiseman will burn in hell, as far as State fans are concerned.
0: Yeah, we'll get there too. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to break down Jimmy V because there's uh, probably a large, and this is God, this we could talk hours about this for the amount of response this got. But there's a probably a large bunch of our listeners that know that he was, I don't know, run off or whatnot, but they don't know the story, and so. Third Gen Packer sent us us this, and I want to read it. It's a couple paragraphs, but Jimmy V won, and he was liked by almost everyone, was becoming a media darling and a celebrity to the point he took his eye off the ball a little bit. But what happened with him was wildly unfair. The book Personal Fouls came out, and the media turned on Jimmy V almost immediately. Despite the fact that the book had so little documented facts from multiple publishers turned it down, almost everything in it was never proven. But the NNO took it as a personal mission to ruin Jimmy V's reputation. There was literally a story almost daily about how bad things were at state, the lack of oversight, the loss of academics as a focus of collegiate athletics, the partying that the athletes were doing, gasp, 20, 18 20-year-olds partying, how Jimmy V had let led his personal brand eclipse his responsibilities as both coach and AD. My wife, I'm not going to read that. Uh, <laughs> once the media... T- Once the media turned on him, and that even included a story on 16 Minutes or 2020, it was all ridiculous. There were no facts, all speculation based on a terrible book written by a disgruntled former team manager, but the media ran with it aggressively. Anyway, once that started, the administration took a hit and the UNC Board of Governors, mostly Carolina grads, saw blood in the water and put some Carolina grads in power positions at NC State. They pressured the university to self-impose absurdly strict punishments to, quote, fix issues that were never proven to have occurred. At the end of all this, the only thing that ever got proven was the basketball players had sold some comp tickets and their shoes. That's it. In today's world, we might have gotten a year postseason ban or something. Uh, Heck, even the guy that led the investigation by the NCAA wrote a letter to Jimmy V and shared it with the media saying he'd be thrilled for his son to play for Jimmy V. Meanwhile, Dean was being hailed as a saint in the paragon of virtue that all NCAA coaches should strive to be, and those of us who had lived here our entire lives knew those things were not true. It was and remains incredibly frustrating that we set our programs back decades over some kids selling shoes and tickets, while UNC was never punished for a multi-decade institutional effort to cheat kids out of actual education. And they don't even deny it. They just told the NCAA it wasn't their place to determine the academic rigor of their curriculum. I mean, I think that's a good summation. There's a lot of like little bits in there that people expanded on on Twitter and other places. But the point was that it was a witch hunt and it was led by the media. And when you add in UNC's journalism school, It's snowball, man. And and I think people are really, I just don't know how they get over something like that because it's, it seems to be consistent in, in today and how state is covered today. Like it's not intentional as this was like this whole Jimmy V thing was, but it's almost a subtext of it is, Hey, we can just pick on these guys because they're terrible. Yeah. I
1: I mean, I will say like, The one thing that this highlights to me and it was consistent when I was a student at NC state and my thoughts until basically until until Debbie Al and Randy Woodson showed up was basically that NC state's leadership was horrible and they, they caved at the time. And I think, you know, I don't know what it was like to go to NC state in like the nineties or before I got there, but the nc state of today as an institution is perceived much stronger in like you know like from like a business perspective as far as like hiring our graduates and like from uh, graduate schools and medical schools taking our our students and and i just feel like back in the day i don't think nc state understood what it was and what it meant and i think they cowered at a time that they shouldn't have um i think marion Fat. was it marion fox like she like her right and then i can't remember who came right after was it I, like basically she felt like a breath of fresh air and then we completely went back we always had to deal with this good old bully network that really took our
0: mm-hmm. i mean
1: if you talk to state fans i mean this is for like the local media maybe in particular Is like you don't understand how bad it used to be as far as just like the the network of friends who were helping friends at the expense of NC state, like really set us back for a long time. And and that's why I think it took so long to even get to the point right now where you've got Dave and, and Keats basically like just on the verge of finally fixing our major sports programs. And like, it's taken massive investments to get there. I mean, it,
0: Uh, You you know, you talk about it and people, you you know, you said exactly right. You know, they put Carolina guys in positions of power at NC State. They put Todd Turner as our athletic director, Mm -hmm. Chancellor Monteith. And these guys didn't stick up for NC State. And I mean – the, I think the sole reason that Debbie Al was so almost universally well received by most fans was that she stood up for us. Yeah. I mean, she still stands up for us. She had her back. It was never a doubt. She Her first, first press conference, and it was like, don't take the status quo. And it, I mean, that thing is going to live forever because she had our back. And I think that's why everybody was like, yes, finally, somebody is doing something good for mm-hmm. us. And I mean all that stuff from history and you know Tim peeler reached out and he's gonna be on, we're gonna get him on the podcast because nobody knows this stuff better than him and so he'll break it down the factually but what we're talking about now is how state fans feel about the coverage and and I think it's you know rationally so and so I, I think we're just gonna Keep going, because I think there's some more here that uh, that I want to get to. Uh, Jay Brown tweeted a very succinct thread on Twitter for us. Uh, I can only speak to the era that I lived, born in 1980. Starts with the witch hunt of Valvano by the local media. Remember my dad canceling the NO subscription during that time. The rise of Coach K, the fall of state, to create the greatest rival- rivalry in the history of the world. Quotes. Growing up in eastern North Carolina, no one knew any Duke fans. UNC kids outnumbered you. But you were either a state or Carolina. Once Duke won in 1991, coupled with our own fall, the media really started hyping that rivalry, and we became an afterthought. Created created our, our third-wheel mentality. Suffering through the 90s while Duke and Carolina competed for championships, plus their highly contested matchups, the media ran with it. Then you have the media's reaction to her believing, dogging us for wanting more. This carried over into Lowe's firing and Gott's hiring. Now, more so, the local media all wanting to become comedians. Not sure if they were bullied as children, but it seemed to get the kicks from bullying <laughs> us with their lame attempts at snarkiness. <laughs> they don't see it apparently, but it's a kick them while they're down approach. The older local local media members aren't as bad, but the around 40 and under crowd like to poke fun. Many aren't from around here and only know us in their current state. And I there's some <laughs> there's some hyperbole there, but for the most part, like I think that's very – I think that's accurate. I think that kind of summarizes everything, you know, even more so, right? You bring up the whole Herb situation and, um, you know, and I – I for me personally, I can't listen to the local sports radio and I, I don't like that. You know, I for a while there I tried but, you know, Joe Ovius, a state grad, likes to – And and I granted, I I think he's gotten better than he was a few years ago. At least his, his Twitter persona has changed a Mm -hmm. little bit, but he doesn't troll us as hard and he doesn't bring as much hate as he used to. But Dave Glenn, a Carolina grad, like he pulls no punches. He doesn't show us any favor. He doesn't do us any, anything. And like, so you have these guys that are like, like he said, picking on us and, uh, state fans will like it. Yeah, but I will say this: the the
1: local media likes to to beat us up a bit. Maybe it's unfair, but frankly, we are the punchy bag, and sometimes you got to understand that you're the punching bag. And the only way you you stop that is you stop being the punching bag. Like you gotta you gotta win when you gotta win. But I will say this: when the national media jumps in out of nowhere the local media seems to punch up at them pretty quickly. So I will, I, I think they under. I think the local media kind of sometimes thinks that they're like, okay, States like our little brother, we're making a joke at them, but like, we know them well enough to do so like in a Joe obvious sense, for example, or like a Lauren Brownlow. Like I know a lot of people like to give Lauren Brownlow a lot of crap, but I think, she gets it far better than people understand. And she gave a nice podcast with um the Wolfpacker, I think at the beginning of the football season. And I thought she did a great job of explaining her interaction with, with NC state and also with others, with the other schools. And like, I think they take great offense when a Stuart Mandel just comes in and takes a dump on an NC state for no reason. And, and they are quick to respond and, and fight back. And I think that gets overlooked. Like, don't, I mean, you can be frustrated with all these people. And like, that's at like, that's everyone's prerogative. If you want to be frustrated at, at our local media, go for it. Um, To me, I, 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 I just, I get it because we have put ourselves in this position. And I think what everyone maybe doesn't understand is like state fans want to win so badly because we have felt like we have been trying to win the right way for a long time and we give coaches tons of time to do so unless they just screw up massively right i mean dave's in what year seven uh tob got six plus years Herb had however god dang many years he had, right? And then, 10. like, let's admit it, like, Herb was doing nothing here but floating mediocrily and getting us into the NCAA tournament. And, I, and guess what? NC State fans, nor any other fan base, should just be happy with arriving into the NCAA tournament. They should want to right. compete, okay? And when the media blasted us... At that time, for getting rid of Herb, for not doing anything more than just getting us to the tournament, it was infuriating. And it was infuriating because the person that was in charge at the time was an absolute fucking idiot and yeah. was so unprofessional in how he ran the athletic department and he did not defend us and he made us look like absolute fools. And a lot, maybe other fan bases like don't take this as personally as we do. But we know, like, I mean, the fact is that you were very close to getting like a Calipari type coach, and then mm-hmm. you ended up. And I don't mean to say this in a derogatory way, but Sidney Lowe, the player, was great. Sydney Lowe, the coach, was a disaster. <laughs> unproven, never been just a coach. should have been it. And, it. and the fact that he influenced right. that decision to happening is the was the problem with NC State sports. And once Randy Woodson got here and started cleaning the house and then he went against recommendations and got a Debbie Yao, it was a signal to state fans that we're not out of the desert yet, but we're getting closer. And I think that is the hardest part for NC State fans is that in football, we have been so damn close to something special, right? That kick... Against Clemson, all right, that the the so close to multiple 10 win seasons for Dave Doran and not getting over the hump, you know, the the fact that Kevin Keats finally has his team like with the right seniors and juniors ready to go. And then we start off the season with an ankle injury to our start point guard and a guy getting (laughs) freaking boots on his car and driving it through a garage. And it almost derailed the season. And then every damn injury that happened in these football seasons, right? This is why state fans are so frustrated. Because we, are, we can see that we are so close to being a successful program. And we have had to sit here for 30-some damn years before even getting a sniff of it. And we are so exhausted. We just want to win. And we are so upset when someone makes fun of us at the last minute.
0: Right. I mean, I think that's, you can tell the passion in your voice that, that how serious it is. Like, and there's some other people have given some other information about, you know, state used just dominate in the 40s and 50s. And, and you know, even, even in the, the 60s, and then you go 70s and 80s, and, you know, you have the state Carolina r- rivalry, and it's just, it, it's it. It's the center of the college basketball world. And then, and then nothing, right? And then you just you just kill ourselves for what seems like a whole bunch of corruption and stupidness, right? It just and if you look at it now, State's still third in the ACC in national titles, right? In championships, one mm-hmm. like and it haven't won anything thirty years, <laughs> so it just tells you like they the, this was the center of it all, like this area really was. And, I, you know, the older people are disgruntled because of it. The younger people don't know anything other than, you know, the 30 years of ineptness. So there's just that void that everybody just like, man, we like we have we've been there before. We have the resources. We have the money. We have a booster club. We have all the things that you need to. We just never had the leadership mm-hmm. until like the last 10 years, maybe at most. Mm-hmm. And you see what's happening. Our Olympic sports are are doing fantastic. They're winning across the board, and there's, in theory, progress in our revenue sports, right? And you know, I want to talk about the herb one because somebody brought that up too. And I'm going to read this little thread from Stewart. For me, I was born in 1983, so I have no memory of the national title. I was seven when V was run out of town, but vividly remember his cancer and death. I was a ambivalent to the v-ouster until my freshman year at state and the biggest thing in shaping my skepticism of how the media treats the fan base was her believing in 2006 before he left i remember a lot of talk being about how disappointing his teams had been in the last three years of his tenure and even questions of his coaching ability then he is fired by fans quote and all the talk is how dare they think they can compete with neighborhood they are in Are they stupid to know what they had had? And I think somebody actually said that. I think that's an actual quote from somewhere. I have to go back and find it. Uh, But the criticism from the media didn't bother me near as much as the Lee Fowler and athletic department at the time parroted those criticisms. and didn't seem interested in defending the school and the athletic department's perception among writers, fans and recruits. So exactly what you said, right, is we're not the only ones that see this, but, you know, it goes from the V thing to – Les Robinson to the Herb ouster and and how that was handled all those years like you should be happy with making the tournament like no we have two national titles we have won the ACC gazillions of times like I'm not, we're not happy with that we're not happy with just making the tournament we we want to strive for more I think any fan base should to be honest but at least we have the history to it but it just keeps gets completely washed like you
1: know. It that that parade when we finally win the ACC championship is going to be in like it, it's going to be like Cleveland. (laughs) Like, and and this, you know, here's the thing, Uh, this, uh, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was because of the Georgia tech loss right before it, or just losing to UNC, or if it's because of what we just experienced in football, it seems like the fan base is really taking this UNC loss like way harder than normal. And my message to you guys, and I don't mean to be crass, but like buck the fuck up. Like you need to recognize that this team has been just chaotic all year. Okay. It's just going to be a chaotic team, you know? And like we are the Tasmanian devil that is Devin Daniels. Okay. Sometimes it's going to be great and sometimes it's going to be really bad. But like, Let's just get through this. Don't judge the whole season by what we just saw. Okay, like it's just one game. If you go, like I, I posted this after. It's like I think Joe Giglio or someone was like, "Oh, missed opportunities." Blah 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 blah. And I'm like, you got two against Duke, one against U- UL, UNC. You've got all these opportunities. Like if if they go on and beat you, and, uh, Louis, <laughs> Louisville this weekend, like we don't expect that. Okay, right. Like let's be real. What if they do you know what the conversation is gonna be oh man we're finally healthy and look how good we are like
0: it, wh- it's less about the Carolina game and more about just getting swept by Georgia Tech and just like it's just been a mess this year it's been all over the place so it's not necessarily that one game that that you know we're kind of used to right and that kind of that comes yeah. and goes but it's the inconsistency and they're just like, man, like, what are we going to do? Are we stuck in the middle again? I think it's just, it, it's reliving that part it's, of it. I think know? this is like, this is further proof that I think we're a football school in that
1: the, the deflating nature of football this year and the fact that while it was happening, we pulled a UNC and said, well, don't worry, we got basketball and you know, right? Like, I mean, if, if basketball is on fire right now, or even just, you know, like, let's say we we're just, um, instead of, what what are we at right now? Five and five? Five and five. If we're like yeah. seven and three, right? Like, everyone is completely different. And I could even excuse, like, the losses to Georgia Tech, because I understand the nature of those losses. Like, you didn't have Funderburk and Markell in the first one, and you didn't have, what was it, Bates and, and Andre. In the second and like we're just the definition of NC state in basketball and football is we have been razor thin as far as like our margin of victories for like just so long now. And it's just I think it's just worn everyone out and it always seems to like maybe it like comes like the worst like the low of the low of it comes at the worst time right like with football with the 2021 recruiting class and then with, like, basketball, like, this is a year that, like, if we're healthy, like, you could easily see us being up there with, with Louisville and Duke right now. And, right. you know, I guess what I would say to that is, like, okay, maybe we get healthy. And this team comes together for the ACC tournament, which, frankly, I, I, I don't know where you fall on this, but, like, isn't that what everyone cares about? Is just winning the ACC tournament? Uh,
0: that's a, That's an interesting question probably for another time, but you know, is it better to win the tournament or the regular season? Tony Bennett. I mean, they always say, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, right. They always say the turn, the AC tournament is the the championship. So that's, that's the one, but, um, I don't know. Uh, there's a couple other things. I'm going to skip over a lot of the, there's a lot more Jimmy V comments and whatnot. You know, we, I think we've kind of beat the point in, um, (laughs) <laughs> but I, I read a couple of them that I think were interesting. I remember one – I remember fundraising for the Wolfpack Club when Coach V was run off. One woman said she'd taken her diploma, tore it in little pieces, and sent it to the Board of Trustees and the interim chancellor. She said she was done. Like, I, like that's how bitter it was, and that's how bad it was at the time, right? People tore up their diplomas and mailed it to them. You know, there was just nobody looking about it. We've been treated by a third wheel ever since – and Mahesh had a good point here. He said, I feel like I wanted to, everything I wanted to say about the media bias has been said. But I do think that the NC statement shit mentality has stuck around yeah. and it's been perpetuated by it by the media. And it has. And I really like I hate that they bring it up. I hate that it's a thing. Right. It's so stupid. Um, but again, it's just another point where it's an easy talking point. To get some clicks and talk about it, right? Um, Let's
1: go back to this. Maybe because people don't understand like how freaking good Valvano was, right? Like he he goes to the he goes to NCAA's his second year after taking over the team. He's the champion the next year. Then they go to NIT. Then the next year, Elite Eight. Next year, Elite Eight. Then it's NCAA first round for two years. Sweet sixteen the next. And then after the 90 season, it's over. And you look at that run and you're like, my God. What could it have been if he had gotten 10 more years? And, you know, what's funny is like, like maybe like four or five years ago, I saw a post and I like, like I rolled my eyes at it and I was just like, okay, like you're going too far. But like now, like we know things about this kind of thing and, and it is Uh, like a concern of mine or like a thought that I occasionally have where it's like the stress that came upon Jimmy Valvano through that period of time possibly did contribute to him getting cancer. It's something like you have to understand, like right, like stress is a contributing factor to cancer. And I think that's like a, just a, a thing like maybe a dark thought for NC state fans that we have from time to time. Is like we lost our guy and we lost him in a terrible way it turned into a positive in some way with what it turned into with the SB speech and what, you know, the, the cancer foundation has done. But like, it, that's a thing that like, kind of like, it's just like, I think that's a, a special thing about this fan base. Like something that we loved so yeah. much. And even people like me who didn't even really recognize it or experience it. like I was five when this was happening, like, it gets me emotionally moved. I cry every time I see that speech. And and it's a part, it's just like hard coded into my DNA. And like, I, I think that's, I mean, there's like a common bond through like sheer terrible shit that this fan base has gone through that you wouldn't maybe experience in other markets. And I think that's a reason why like local media gets it, but also can maybe take advantage of it because of like, the hardiness of this fan hood to like, just go through these. Th- I mean, it's been bad for 30 years, right?
0: Here's, here's how I, and this is a derailment from where you are going with that. But Jimmy V was so important to us. He was so important to everybody else with, and they, they did the coaches versus cancer classic. Right. And they didn't invite us. Like, State should it should have been, state should have been the only school that was in that damn thing every year in that preseason tournament, every year. But they don't put you in there, right? It's a whole lot of disrespect. I, I really yeah. that whole thing. Really I don't understand it. I don't me. I don't even that, get it. That part really I don't bugs get me. it.
1: Yeah. I don't even understand. Like I'm surprised Randy or Debbie like never. Maybe they did, or maybe I don't know. Why are we not in that?
0: Yeah, every year. Um, somebody else pointed out and this is some something separate but again perception matters when it comes to recruiting both players and staff. So when Jay Bills is saying multiple times during the the game how admired and respected Brooks is for UNC while completely ignoring anything positive, positive about State it is worrisome. Media bias comes becomes yet another barrier to competing with the Blue Bloods for talent. Now, I don't expect Bridget to know that, but I thought Billis was awful during that game. And I think a lot of people felt the same way. There was a very, I don't know. I guess bias is the best way to say it, but there wasn't a whole lot of good for us. And that's, again, that's another thing that state fans pick yeah, up. Yeah.
1: I mean, we also played like, matter, I mean, we played poorly. We played like shit. So it's hard. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I, what are they, what I think for? the thing is just like Jay Billis just can, can just be insufferable. Okay, Mike Jaminsky can be insufferable, and right. It, but I will say this: like when we're playing well, like they sing up our praises, and then Jay Billis will talk about how difficult it was to play uh, against us um, in, in Reynolds, right? And yeah. you know, it's like if NC State would play better, they'd get better coverage. Okay, and then the counterpoint is we don't play well because we're still digging ourselves out of a hole and like recognize it. And I don't know, but I mean, look, at one point, Markel took a terrible three point shot and I was like, Oh my God, that was horrific. And then immediately Jay Billis was like, that was a God awful shot. And I was like, Oh, all right, Jay Billis, maybe you're not so bad, Jay, but you know,
0: I, no, he's, he's terrible. He is
1: bad. <laughs>
0: he's, really <back>. he's terrible. <laughs> Um, all right. I mean, I think we've belabored this whole thing enough. I doubt Bridget is still listening. If she's, oh god, she I hope is not. If she is, like, I doubt anybody's. Still I hope you've at god least been exercising soul. or something
1: during this because we've been going fucking on and on. And I hope you did something better for you <laughs> yourself than listening to us, just like sitting at the counter, like I'm doing right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it'll be interesting. I look forward to talking to her about it and you know getting the other side and, and seeing how how they view us right and you know what she knows about our fan base after being here for three years i think that's that that'll be an interesting conversation um that we'll have next week
1: yeah no i was gonna say was it's gonna, gonna be it interesting one. to hear her perspective I, I mean like what you're saying about mark i think mark posted something about um basically kind of like a the equivalence in Utah sports for the local sports here. And I thought it was interesting. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's just good to get a kind of a fresh perspective. I mean, you've got, I think what frustrates fans is like when like a Joe Giglio or like a Joe Ovius, right. Who are NC state grads. Don't always, aren't always in our corner. And like people need to recognize that, like that's not the media's job. Like they have to be, you know, in the middle and, and reporting things when they can.
0: It's yeah, just I, but see that's the pro- that's the problem though man like it, for the longest time it was the very biased UNC media because they're all uni- UNC grads for a long long time around here that's how it used to be yeah and people felt like it, like the people in control of WRL I mean Hell, the vice president, of ESPN is UNC. Correct, like the journalism well, still school has the an ACC impact.
1: commissioner. Like I mean, like look, the here is yes. the thing, right?
0: Exactly.
1: Like I'll say this every time someone complains about the ACC commissioner, right? There's uh, what? How many schools are we technically with Notre Dame right now? Four, 14? 13 in one sport, for whatever, right? There's twelve to thirteen other schools that put up with where we are. And then the question, none of them like Well, it. the question, but the question, but here's the thing, right? Is the power players in football shouldn't have to deal with this nonsense. And frankly, like UNC and Duke don't have a dominance in other sports other than basketball, really, you know? So we are where we are because the rest of the conference doesn't want to push for changes or they think they're getting what they're what they're getting is fair. so I
0: completely disagree no with i, that. I- Completely oh, I think disagree they are just. I that, think
1: they are smitten as. No, kidding. that's so oh, wrong. Good. it that makes no so sense. Wrong. right? Clemson, 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 Clemson so should have the greatest beef in the world if they wanted to. No. Okay. All nope. right. Well, we're nope. gonna have we're gonna nope. have to talk about this at a later date because we can't go beyond.
0: No, we're talking you about know. right now because hey, all right. The next, even, even Debbie Yowes, okay. Hold on, all hold right. on. Even Debbie okay. Al said says it like that. One half of the ACC wants, especially in football. Wants to get rid of divisions or wants okay, to Okay, that's division the and the other half doesn't. No, no, no,
1: I, and the I'm, other kinda, half I'm talking it. about the but nobody, okay,
0: okay, no, <laughs> hold on, no, no, see, this is where you're wrong. No, 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 this is no, where no, you're wrong. no, 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 I'm not wrong. I, th- I, I
1: think we're maybe talking about no, no, hold on, hold on. please allow me. Hold I on, I think you might, no, I think we might be talking no. about two different things.
0: I'm talking, all right, I'm muting you, I'm muting you, so I'm going to talk right now. This is why I think you're wrong because Wait,
1: am I muted? Uh, that was just oh one my exam. god.
0: <laughs> yes, you are muted. And it's not just football. It was when Georgia Tech was facing the NCAA troubles. Commissioner Swafford wasn't there. When Carolina was facing NCAA NCAA trials or whatever they call them hearings, he was there. It's he's Shown a complete bias yeah. towards certain parts of this conference, and it ain't us, and it ain't Georgia Tech, and it ain't some of these other schools.
1: There, there was,
0: but they're just not enough of them to make enough changes. We're the only conference in the country, only conference in the country that has a commissioner who's a graduate of one of the Is schools. Is that real? It's absolutely factual. FBS, FCS. Division two. There is no other conference with a commissioner okay. from from All that right. school. All
1: right, flip flip it. Uh, did you feel that way when Gene Corrigan was the commissioner?
0: <laughs> I no
1: idea. Right, exactly. I mean, I. Here is the thing, right? There is always this legend of uh, Clemson that, um, that uh, that jeez that Swafford had like led a. Uh, I want to say like a passioned debate for basically getting Clemson uh, like nuked over something. I can't remember what it was and maybe it was in football or maybe was, I can't remember what it is. Right. Yep. And then I think yep. it was Woody Whitehurst or someone from the Clemson like media was like, there's never been any verification of this. There's no truth to it. Like, you know, so I, I think it's easy for everyone to just be like, all right, we got a boogeyman. Let's make him a boogeyman. Fine. Like, I, I just, my, my point, what I was trying to say earlier, like, because, look, I totally agree on divisions in football. Like, it's complete nonsense, and Debbie's 100% correct. There's a side of the conference that is perfectly fine with having a comp- a different team win every single year, and they absolutely do not want to come over to our side because they like the fact that they can win. Okay? Like, I totally get that. What I'm trying to say is that with basketball, football, and everything else, the conference as a whole outside of, like, a UNC power play, for example, could have come together and said, this shit's gotta change. But they don't, because they all have different agendas. And so, everyone seems to think they are getting the best that they can possibly have right now. And I don't know if, like, a Georgia Tech football or Virginia football in the past you know before like some little recent successes right well with Virginia for example, recent successes like what was their benefit for staying in the coastal like they weren't succeeding and like they but they didn't want to shift the one vote over that we needed right like
0: I don't know man I no none of them want to play Clemson. That's that's what it is. I don't want to play Clemson or Florida State. <sighs> I mean, you know what? I that's do what it want to is. play like,
1: those teams, and I got no problem with it. I just want to get fucking Louisville and Wake out of my division, or I want to get pods so I can play the other suckers out there. Like,
0: okay, who's responsible for spearheading those? The commissioners,
1: the, the athletic yes, director, the commission, no, the di- athletic directors no, the, are the ones that, are, and the presidents of the universities are supposed to be spearheading this. And I will say it is a travesty. Nope. Look, I mean, look, now we're stuck on football pod, and like, look, we'll we'll, we'll both agree <laughs> to, to like the end that this has to change, okay? But I, I'm just saying, like, you know what? Like, I'm I'm saying like they have stuck with Swafford for so long, and it makes no sense if they are really as frustrated as we are. Now the question is, is like, is Debbie Yao the only one that was in those rooms and was like? yo this is ridiculous no guys. she's not I, I,
0: I know this for a fact this remember not, when she i i know I know this stuff very factual from people that were in the room right. when these conversations from I
1: remember she said something like there was like um some kind of cruise or something that they all went on um and maybe it was like broader in and she was like this is ridiculous like I'm not gonna do this it doesn't even look right <laughs> like This is why Debbie Yow was so damn special. And I want to just say this right now because I was getting on it earlier and I didn't like go too deep into it. But the good old boy network that was definitely around even during her tenure that was constantly trying to undercut her, you guys are assholes, okay? You're the worst (laughs) part of our fan base. You are the guys that are like, we're not going to invest in baseball until Debbie's gone. And we're not going to invest in football until Debbie's gone. You guys are the worst. Get out of here. You're not fans. I hate you. You're the worst. That's all I wanted to say on that, Evan. Thank you for unmuting me. (laughs) Debbie Hell is a national treasure. So
0: so what, folks, what you just saw happen right there was Will circled all the way around to not liking the ACC leadership. I hate the leadership so bad now. There you go. So we're back. All right. Last couple of questions, then we'll get out of here. This is, this is really going off the rails as expected. <laughs> but that's the joy of the I was so down
1: ten minutes ago that I texted my girlfriend. I said, Can you please come over? I'm getting emotional thinking about Jimmy Volva. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What yeah. a hard podcast this has been. All right, what what we got left? <laughs>
0: All right, James, James, don't give up on that. James I give up in basketball season already and hope for football. My friend, if that is your stance, you're in for a long year. So <laughs> don't give up on basketball. Uh, uh, I mean, at least, no, what people should be doing is
1: like promoting women's basketball at this point. And I think this is what Quentin's about to say, but like, there yeah. is still hope out there, guys. <laughs> like the basketball season is not even over yet. God dang. <laughs> All right. Next question. <laughs>
0: Come on, James. Quentin, are we a women's are we a women's basketball school best barbecue place in or around near Raleigh or just in general? I would be
1: happy if we are a women's yes. basketball school. Sorry, I would
0: love to win. I, Westmore is our best coach. Oh, I think that's pretty. I think that's him, pretty clear.
1: Well, you know what? It's a tie uh, between him. Um, I'm blank on his name. The swimming coach and Brayden Holloway, yeah, I was going to say same And Nick thing, yeah. uh, Pazza, Papalaziano? Pop, yeah. Papalizo. Papa <laughs> like, like the, <laughs> here's the thing, right? Yeah. Maybe everyone it. else isn't investing in Olympic sports, but I am loving what we're doing because they – I am so happy for the rest of the university. The women's team is so awesome. They're so fun to watch. And, you know, same goes for diving. Love diving. But, like <laughs> – I mean, yeah, hell yeah, we're a women's basketball school right now. We're what, eighth in the country? This is awesome.
0: Yeah. They won. I'm sorry, too. I'm
1: screaming into the microphone, guys. I'm just really fired up right now.
0: <laughs> no, they're good. And they're it's nice. Like it's nice to have that team at the top and they're they're not disappointing you, right? They're going on the road, they're winning, they're beating the hell out of people they should beat. Um yeah, Wes Moore's just done a fantastic job and he's got a great recruiting class coming in and things are like... I mean, what do you expect? Debbie hired him. Yeah. No, I'm um,
1: <laughs> She's only had like one... Best she's barbecue really place. only had like one bad hire, right? I mean, she only had to like fire like... Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah. Do you have a good barbecue place?
0: I recently was exposed to White Swan in Smithfield and... Legit thought it was one of the best barbecue places I've had, and and we had, they had their fried chicken was awesome and their barbecue was just ridiculous. It was so good I can't believe it took me this long to actually go there. I've driven past it a few times. Yes, yeah, White Swan is my new my new spot these days.
1: So if you want to spend some money in Richmond, there's a place called ZZQ uh, up here near where I live. Um, they they're more like a Texas style, um, but their brisket is. Their brisket is off the chain. Um, It's a fun place. It's definitely, it's definitely pricey for barbecue. So that that might turn some people off. And I will say this, if you are ever in Richmond and you are driving through for some reason, and you see a guy on the side of the road selling ribs and it says Ronnie's ribs, I need you to tweet at me immediately because there is a legend of his ribs that I can't, uh, all my friends kept telling me about and he was basically caught for tax evasion and he's been dodging the gun for a long time. So if you see Ronnie's Ribs in Richmond, please let me know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ronnie's ribs. All right. Uh Stevenson's barbecue in Willow Springs is really good too. Uh, it's kind of an underrated place. I know people don't talk about it. Is but
1: is Kings
0: I like those Kings
1: still around? Was that
0: in Mebben? Not in Mebbin. Um
1: Oh Wilson, there was a place in Wilson that people used to say it was really good. I think
0: Wilbur's. The- oh no, that's that's Goldsboro. Wilbur's.
1: We should we should I we should have just a barbecue pod because I I think if we throw that question out, we'll get about eight thousand responses.
0: That's probably true too. I'm not a barbecue snob, by the way, either. I love Texas barbecue. I know there's some NC folks who will poop on well, it, but man, brisket is. Do,
1: now, do you ever say that you're having a barbecue? or
0: no that's just communism oh
1: my gosh okay all right we're gonna have a great pod for the barbecue pod then
0: (laughs) 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 oh all right Mahesh I know this basketball team has been pretty inconsistent but predictions for our final record I don't have a clue if I had to take a guess it'd be eight and eight right well (laughs) no no no.
1: don't we have 20 games now so 10 and 10 was what I was thinking isn't that
0: Okay, yeah. ten and ten, right, right in the middle. It sounds about right. I'm not sure. I don't think we're g- going to get any kind of consistency, um, and until we're healthy for a particular stretch. You know, that add that on top. I don't know what's going. to I think happen.
1: what would be more fun or, is do. You, do you think we will win any of these big Q one games that are coming up? The Duke, Louisville, Syracuse. Um, I think there was a third another uh, team in there, but
0: well, we'll win one. Yeah, I mean, none of those teams are unbeatable. So I think we'll we'll slip one out one of the, one of those games. Hopefully Saturday because I'll be there. Uh randomly randomish, really randomish question about the football, but how do you guys feel about the re- receiving corps? We got a football question. We almost won a whole podcast without a football. I told question. You we're a football school. <laughs> we are a football school. Uh how do you feel about the tight ends and wide receivers? Um
1: everything, I mean, it seems crazy to say again, uh, the year. Everything rides on Ottenreith at tight end. Um I don't know if Beck's going to feature Titans in any specific way, so I don't know if he's going to solve the Angeline problem, right, of not giving him the ball enough. But if Huntreath is healthy, then and Tim Beck likes to run, run the ball more than anybody, then that's the key there. And then with wide receivers, I need to, I need, I need in the spring and fall, I need C.J. Riley, uh, Porter Rooks, and Emeka Mezi to be healthy. I need those three guys because I think those are going to be the the key players to opening up everything for everyone else. If C.J. Riley is healthy and can stretch the field, even if he's just a straight-up vertical go guy, I think that's huge. I do not want to rely on any other freshman than Porter Brooks because everything I read about him is he is like the polished one that's ready to go. Right? Yeah. I, it, it We need to be healthy is, is the answer.
0: I want to see some progress. I think the wide receiver's – did not impress me last year. I don't think they progress as much as I'd, I'd, I'd like, whether that's quarterback roulette that they're playing or not. I don't know what it is, but uh, I think they have some talent there, enough to get you by maybe the injection of speed uh, if any of those guys are good enough to get on the field. But like Keon was saying, I think is a really a guy that they really need to utilize and they probably will utilize a little bit more. Um, I, I think they have they ha- they have some of the pieces. I'm not sure if they have the senior or the older wide receiver that's the burner or the speed. If CJ Riley doesn't come back to full strength, but I mean, they have all the pieces. There's nothing there that that should hold you back from being a successful offense, at least enough to take the pressure off of the running game.
1: I think what I think what um, we really want to see there is just consistency, right? And right, that would. Yeah, be so nice. <laughs>
0: um, he also says thank you for the advice uh, for the interviews. You're welcome. I hope your medical school interviews went well. Um, yeah, and then the last one in honor of Kobe, favorite Kobe highlight. That that news is weird, man. Like the celebrity deaths don't get me. Um, I, I do feel for the family as as a dad. I feel. You know, the whole the parent side of it gets me more than the celebrity. But Kobe's one that I always liked listening to. I thought he was very articulate with how he spoke and how he presented himself. And I thought he was super clutch, man. He was I I saw a tweet somewhere that somebody said, No other player will make you ball up a piece of paper and shoot it in the basketball and, or shoot it in the trash can and scream his name. And it's like, that's exactly right. Every time I grab something, Chuck, it. you're like Kobe. Cause he was just clutch, man. And he, he could hit those shots. And that's, you know, I like to, those are the kind of things that I, um, I remember him for, right. Being so good that he it becomes that vernacular that you use in stupid situations. Yeah. You know, he was awesome. I, it was yeah, that's my answer. I,
1: it, you know what? It's, it's like not the best way to remember him. Maybe it is, but um, it's funny. I always, I, I always disliked Kobe a little bit during their title runs just because I was like, it's exhausting for me to always see like the same team, like winning over and over. Um, yeah. But I fell in love with Kobe <laughs> in the um, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant Muppet commercials that that came on (laughs) and it was just funny to like realize like through the commercials, just how great Kobe Bryant was. Um, yeah, it's just really sad. Like I didn't, I hadn't really followed him really recently. I'd seen like, you know, the, the, the the meme or gif gif of, um, him and Gigi, like on the court where he was like explaining something and she's kind of like does like the, yeah. Okay. Dad kind of thing. Yeah. And I wasn't like aware of, just like the connection between the two of them in particular. And like, kind of like just like watching all the videos that have kind of come out recently of like him and her um like training and just like what she was going to probably mean to like the sport of, of women's basketball and what, and what he was trying to do to really improve that sport too. and And give his knowledge to, to those players I thought was, like incredibly refreshing and like also incredibly sad that I didn't even realize that was happening until he had passed away and um, yeah, like when it had happened, I was like cooking and prepping a meal and and my girlfriend had texted me what had happened and I was it was just weird like we all were like really sad for a couple of days just thinking about it, um, so it's I guess it's funny I I remember. Something I just I remember stuff off the court better than I do on the court, I guess is what I'm saying, like with the Muppet thing and with the um,
0: yeah, you know, just I think that's pretty common around here being college basketball fans more than any yeah. fans for the most part, yeah. Oh man, but he was he was one of the greats, man. And you could make an argument that there was nobody better in clutch time and uh.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, we don't we don't have to oh, get into it. I know there's been like some stuff about like what happened off the court to that wasn't positive positive, right? Bad. and like we, we don't have to get into it, but we have to I will just say this. You are allowed to recognize all facets of a person and, and especially one that's in the public sphere and the good and the bad that comes with that. And I would say that I feel like the stuff that I've kind of like. Looked into or read up on in the last few days on him, po- you know, at posthumously is, I feel like he was atoning, and it, it's fair to say and to recognize like what that what the victim went through. I can't remember her name, and I really apologize, but uh, if it, it feels like he was trying to make things better and what he possibly could have done to help especially with women's sports, maybe would have offset that. But I get that there's a lot of fuels on both sides of the court, I guess with this one. Um, but it's just really, it's just really sad to understand what happened to him and not just him and his daughter, but also the other, the other people that were on the the chopper. It's just, it's weird how like a sports, I'll thing still can, shoot like, <laughs> my trash saying Kobe. Yeah. I will still yeah. shoot my trash. But it's, 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 it's weird Forever. how like sports can do that for you though. Like with, just it. I don't know why it always kind of hits you differently when someone like that passes away, especially in the way it happens. Um. Yeah. Mm, mm, man, what a somber note to go out on. But yeah, good job. Bill. I'm sorry, Thanks. man. I was just thinking about it, man. It's just been an emotional podcast.
0: It's <laughs> been a roller coaster. It's been a long I'm gonna long, put on that SB, told you gonna that SB. I'm putting
1: that SB speech on right now. I'm just gonna go. Home. I'm gonna go to bed in tears. <laughs> all right. Well, we're gonna leave you
0: all at that. If you made it this far,
1: oh, we wow. really pushed the limits. Oh
0: my god, an hour forty. I'm sorry, people.
1: <laughs>
0: That's it. That's the show. Go back. Go back.